Hello out there and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of Gamecock Scoop on Rivals. Be sure to go check out GamecockScoop.com for all the latest updates on SEC Media Days and everything else that's been going on here lately. Um, we haven't had a podcast for a minute. Uh, that was by design right there at the beginning of July because we were taking a week off for the holiday and then... Um, Things just kind of <laughs> have been weird uh, pers- from a personal standpoint um, over the last month or so with just like travel and family and whatever. So um, we're back uh, to doing these hopefully weekly and then the season's right around the corner and we'll, we'll do them uh, twice a week once the season kicks in. Um, we're not going to try to catch up on everything that has happened in the last 20 days. Uh, We're primarily talking about SEC media days. Alan's actually in a hotel still in Nashville. Um, Today was South Carolina and Tennessee's focus day for the SEC media days. Anyone else? Ole Miss. And Ole Miss. Um, So plenty to talk about from that standpoint. I do want to start with a little bit of recruiting news. So if you've been keeping up with the weekly recruiting wrap-ups on GamecockScoop.com, which I encourage you to do if you don't, um, there's been a little bit of turmoil over the last month. So there are, there are three different, two different um, recruits that South Carolina led for at one point um, that they lost out on at the last minute. That is Keelan Adams, wide receiver out of Virginia, who ended up at Virginia Tech, and Malcolm Ziegler, cornerback uh, that ended up at North Carolina. And now you have Jonathan Paler, who's set to announce his uh, commitment August 5th. Um, and it's down to the NC State in South Carolina. And it felt for a very long time like South Carolina was the clear leader there. Um, but that doesn't seem so clear anymore with um, seemingly Paler's going to skip the cookout Cookout, and go to NC State instead next weekend. Uh, So not great. Um, A lot of the reason that as I'm asking around, talking to people about what's really going on, it's not like uh, South Carolina coaches pulled back on any of these guys or uh, the effort isn't there, the relationships aren't there, whatever. The biggest thing that keeps coming up in all of these situations is NIL. which I know you 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 got a quote from uh, Beamer at Media Days a little bit talking about some of that stuff, but hopefully we'll have a little bit more info. We're we're trying to reach out to some people at the university uh, to get some specifics about the NIL programs. Um, we know that there are a lot of partnerships there. There are a couple of collectives. Um, you got I, I'll mention them, even though they are quote unquote uh, owned by competitors because. The collectives are their own thing that are not media-based or whatever, and it's a way to uh, give players if that's what you want. So uh, Carolina Rise and um, Garnet Trust are two of the collectives, and then you have programs like the Gamecock Exchange, which we've utilized a few times to talk uh, to players and and do interviews with players and kind of uh, expand their brands a little bit. You have the Park Avenue guys, which are... um, kind of working on management stuff. So there is a pretty robust NIL program at South Carolina, but it seems like in a lot of these recent scenarios, it's been the case of in-state guys um, getting a little bit of a overpay, I guess, or maybe not an overpay because they're talented people, right? Ziegler and um, Adams are both very talented, 
But um, I guess a bigger chunk or a bigger upfront sort of NIL deal is being thrown forward. I don't want to speculate too much about whether or not South Carolina could match the offer or anything like that, um, or even like what that program fully is looking like. Um, we've seen some of the deals get announced out loud with some of the major players, right? Like Rattler had the, the truck dealership deal. Um, I know... Uh, Nicholas Harbor, I think, has a deal with Beats by Dre. Like the, some of the bigger names uh, are having no problem uh, sort of making those connections through the system at South Carolina. Um, but I wonder if the incoming high school recruits uh, are being treated a little bit differently. I don't. I don't know. That, those are some questions that I have that I'm gonna hopefully track down and write a full article on in the next couple of weeks. Um, what did Beamer say kind of about some of that stuff uh, in your, was, so, was that the smaller gaggle? He didn't. That's in the smaller gaggle. He got a question about kind of recruiting and, you know, I don't remember how it was worded exactly, but it was more like, all right, there hasn't been a commit. There hasn't been a welcome home in a month now. What's kind of happening there? Should fans be worried? And the quote from Beamer here says he's, I'm itching for it too. You realize that it's a marathon. I think our fan base, anyone that follows recruiting, also needs to take, excuse me, take a look back and realize the amount of guys that we've got committed at the beginning of the season that every team in the country would love to have committed to their roster right now. I think there's some truth to that. This is me talking. I think there's some truth to that. You've got 13, is it 13 commits right now? Is that what the number? Uh, so I'll count them real quick. It's been a minute. Okay, you know, good. Back, <laughs> yeah. back to Beamer. That was a really, really big deal. It's still a really big deal now. Do I wish we had more welcome home tweets the month of July? Absolutely. But the month isn't over. We'll see what happens. You realize it's a marathon. Signing day is five months away. There's a lot that's going to happen between now and then. It's not like we're not in the mix for guys. As a competitor, I don't want to lose and I don't want to lose anyone, but I learned a long time ago as a coach that you're going to lose more guys than you get in recruiting. Some guys chose to go elsewhere over the last month or so. Here's an interesting part. Whether they chose to stay with their in-state school or go play with the defending national champs, whatever it might be. I don't like that, but let's not forget about the guys that are committed to us and will make up the bulk of the 2023 class. And then there were two different points today. This is going back to Ziegler and Paler, I think. Two different points today where he was asked about Travian Robertson, uh, the new defensive line coach. And he made a point of mentioning that Travian Robertson was a North Carolina-born kid, a highly rated recruit who chose to come to South Carolina, and they need more of those. He mentioned that two different times, which yeah, is not su – subtlety is not really his strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, so I did think that that was interesting, right? Jonathan Paler, uh, North Carolina kid, he's set to commit in just about two weeks or so here. Um, yeah, I do think that that was a little bit of a, a shout out to him, which we talked about this at Media Days last year. He's always in recruiting mode. Um, and a lot of what his speech was today was uh, selling the program, selling the momentum, selling like all those things, uh, why you want to be a part of it. But yeah, as far as recruiting strategy goes, it's been kind of interesting because they definitely are, are taking big swings. Uh, by the way, I think that they're still in pretty good uh, position with Dylan Stewart, who we've had a future cast in on Gamecock Scoop since November yeah. of 2022. Um, and then a couple of other people on Twitter or whatever kind of started to get on board in the last few weeks. Um, and I also think that they're still in good shape with Daniel Hill, although Daniel Hill lives pretty close to Alabama. I believe it's like a 45 minute drive from his house in Mississippi. And uh, I think he's attending Alabama's cookout next week, which I mean, 
you could say maybe that's just purely like it's an easy drive, 45 minutes versus six hours or whatever to South Carolina. But obviously competing against Bama is always going to be a little bit of a struggle. Although I think right now you should still feel pretty good about uh, Daniel Hill. So it's not all doom and gloom. They've taken some big swings. We've also seen both off seasons so far. They tend to rely a good bit on the portal and have had some success at uh, filling positions in the portal. So like it's a strategy that can work having like a little bit of a smaller recruiting class and then leaving those spaces open for the portal as long as you hit. And we saw at a position like running back uh, this off season that sometimes if you miss on all of them, uh, then you end up starting a wide receiver at running back. Um, by the way, I think uh, everything that I'm hearing chatter wise about Dakarian Joyner is that He's really adjusting well to the position. I know that came up a few times in media days as well. Yep. Um, so I'm not saying like he he's not going to be successful as a running back, but, but but obviously if you had a true running back that you got out of the portal or whatever on the roster, he's probably not mm -hmm. slated to be the starter like it looks like he is right now. Um, so yeah, I, I I hear what the fan base is saying right now uh, with some of the doom and gloom and that it's no doubt that you have lost a couple of guys that you at, at one point led for um, lately. But I also think the strategy sounds, those guys, just, those guys didn't forget how to recruit all of a sudden. Um, and yeah, there might need to be some more attention to what the NIL strategy is to make sure that that stays competitive um, I was trying to figure out just by Googling kind of where South Carolina stands in the pecking order of the SEC uh, as far as their NIL funds go. And the best I could figure is there's somewhere uh, this this is including Texas and Oklahoma. So if there's 16 teams, there's somewhere between 12 and 14 out of 16, um, which isn't great. But I also think that you you can make that work. Um I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to kind of see what I can dig up in the next few weeks about how the last year, which we saw a lot of changes in South Carolina's NIL program over the last year with the with the partnership with Park Avenue, uh, with the introduction of the Gamecock Exchange, with bringing uh, some more attention to Carolina Rise and, and Garnet Trust as far as the, the university itself kind of promoting those. Um, I'm wondering how that's going basically so hopefully hopefully we get a little more info on that here shortly all right let's shift our focus more to sec media days if you go to gamecockscoop.com right now you can see like kind of a summary article that i wrote on his main podium appearance which of course was also uh streamed on sec network and stuff what were your takeaways from that and we can get into some of the the more uh little side gaggles and stuff where you got to talk to some players and, and hear from him a few other times. What was, what was your takeaway from the, the main stage experience? Yeah, I think the big thing here and the, you always, when you're looking at a main stage, all right, they're not getting into anything nuts and bolts. They're not giving you government secrets. They're not, it's on television. You got to take that with a grain of salt. You're more looking for, okay, what are they trying to sell? What do they want you to know? What do they want the thousand people here? that are credentialed to leave thinking the ones that maybe don't cover South Carolina. And I think the whole message here is it's going really well. He, he was big to mention, quick to mention the season ticket sales, the social media, the energy, all of that. It all has to be better was his kind of message. He mentioned offense got to be better. Can't turn the ball over as much. 
got to stop the run better. Um, everything needs to be better. Got to be more consistent. That was his main thing. He mentioned, I think, three different times how they scored six points against Florida and then scored 63 the next week against Tennessee. Clearly that stuck with him, the kind of Jekyll and Hyde, peak and valley nature of that team last year. Um, so that was kind of my general, um, everything has to be better, although it's going really well right now. And then if I, if I could, I wrote a little bit about this later too, but there's one line if I had to pick out that I thought was interesting is, and he was up front and he said, we're going to have a lot of true freshmen playing at pretty much every position. And I did a little bit of speculating. I'll be on the website later, um, kind of about what that might mean. Yeah. But and I'd, obviously I'd be Nick interested to, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I'd be interested to speculate with you right now. Um, Nick Harbor, like you just mentioned, I think, that you probably have a couple of linemen in mind Marquee there. Was the one that came yeah. to mind for me. Uh, Big Tree, uh, maybe Jatavius Shivers. Because um, DJ without, Braswell. I mean, you're going to need running backs from somewhere. I, I think without a doubt, Braswell is going to get a lot of play. Um, he also might get a look at punt returner, which he did a good bit, or kick returner, which he did a good bit in high school. Mm, you still have Leggett, too. Right. And um, you brought in the Eddie Lewis for punt returner. So maybe not, yep. but he did do some of that in high school. So we'll see. Um, on defense, you're going to definitely see some freshmen at linebacker. Pup Howard's probably going to play a lot. Yeah. Uh, maybe some edge like Desmond Umi Zulu. That's um, kind of what I was speculating too. I just you need bodies there. And then in the secondary, I mean, Jalen Kilgore looked really good. Xavier McLeod, spring. too. Like, I think right. he's going to play a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, obviously, if you're counting, like, Juco guys, Elijah Davis is going to play a ton. Right. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that that tracks. Uh, I did think it was funny that he started off his speech referencing uh, your stat about um, the, word, the, counts the word count from last year, which kind of went a little viral and then – people from other websites stole it and created a graphic and didn't credit you, which is kind of annoying, but whatever. Uh, eventually he saw it either from us or from Saturday down South or all those other places that stole it. Um, but anyway, uh, he mentioned that his kids basically were like, Hey, don't, don't talk so much this and year. He did pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah. The, the word count was almost uh, to the word the same last year. And he, he uh, got second again. Um, not that that actually matters. I, I tweeted earlier that like he could have talked for another hour and it would have been fine with me because I just am starving for football and content right now. So, um, you know, talk, talk your stuff, uh, Shane. Uh, that it's was talking season. <laughs> yeah. That's happily uh, named. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. He uh, is an ambassador for the program. And like we've talked about before, he's going to sell, sell, be in salesman mode pretty much all the time. Um, a couple of other things that stood out to me from the main stage appearance turnovers. He mentioned as a huge emphasis, both offensively and defensively. Um, I had kind of forgotten that they have led the, or I guess been in last place in the sec, but led the sec in offensive turnovers the past two years. Um, which is something that they're trying to clean up, but they've also been first and second in defensive turnovers. So it's kind of balanced out a little bit. If you can keep the defensive opportunities high uh, and clean up the offensive ones a little bit, I think that accounts for probably one or two more wins right there. 
um, which actually next week will be a good episode to listen to. We're going to go into our staff picks uh, across the board, but also you can go ahead and read those on GameCockScoop.com yeah. if you want. We were optimistic. I, uh, something that the SEC Network yeah. crew was talking about today, because I watched it on TV while you were uh, in the room, was that South Carolina's win total was like 5.5 or something from Vegas. And I think all of us picked at least eight wins um, in the staff picks. So something's got to give there. Um, other and a half does feel low to me. That feels um, low. We'll get into it next week. But yeah, I guess other um, other things I would take from today. Um, he did mention just a couple like housekeeping things. Someone asked him if they're exploring any more portal options. He said no. So the roster's the roster now. No real surprise there. But uh, Jalen Nichols, not ready for camp. Again, we knew that was going to be the case. He, I don't know how much you're going to see him at all this year. The media guide quoted Nichols as, um, um, I actually wrote it down, but unlikely or will miss most, if not all, of the season. So that's in the South Carolina media, which we all we knew. But And he said nobody else is going to be injured for the start of camp. He said Jordan Strawn and Mo Kaba off their respective ACL tears will be a little bit limited to start. But, quote, should be 100% for week one. So on the injury front, aside from, I mean, your starting left tackle is a devastating blow. But other than the one we already knew about, you're okay on the injury front going into camp? Yeah, um, and we're expecting probably Ja'Kai Moore to start off the season there. I think it has to be. I, I Again, I, I wrote some words about this today, too, that will be on the site either tonight or tomorrow. Ja'Kai Moore is the only guy on this roster who's played left tackle in South Carolina other than Nichols. Now, you've got options there. How – okay, like Tyshawn Wanamaker's played right tackle. Do you want to kick him to left? I mean, you might have to if something happens to Moore. Case and Henry's raw, but you know the staff likes him. He was in games last year. He's only played right tackle. Nick Gargiulio played all five spots at Yale, but left tackle was not his main position. Is that an option? I don't know. Do you want him on the interior? Um, Sidney Fugar, he's played right tackle. You've got a whole lot of guys that have played right tackle. And I think the challenge for this staff over the next 44 days till North Carolina is figuring out who you feel comfortable putting at left tackle if something happens to Ja'Kai Moore, because I do think that is your starter, but you got to figure out the rest of the depth chart quickly. A couple, a couple of the freshmen, Anderson uh, mm-hmm. projects as a left, a potential left tackle eventually, but is he ready? Um, it's hard to be a freshman starting at left tackle in SEC for sure. Um, a couple of other just like little uh, notes that I noticed. He said that the team last season had the highest GPA in South Carolina history, like not just – uh, his history here, but in the university's history, which I thought was pretty cool. I like you mentioned, ticket sales up 106. Um, so obviously some enthusiasm there. I thought a couple of things uh, were small but interesting uh, as far as just clarifying notes. He talked a little bit more about his relationship with Dowell Loggins, and mm-hmm. it really sounds like that they had been in touch for the last several years um, after being friends. You know years and years ago meeting on uh coaching staff and that he, he we, we have talked about this that he really likes the blend of the nfl concepts with the uh time that he spent on offensive staffs in college arkansas and penn state are the two that he mentioned there and then the other thing was that it sounds like to and joiner is made the permanent move yeah. to running back 
we kind of speculated on that a little bit last week when we saw it come come up in the the media guide um, on GameCocksGroup.com. But uh, it said basically someone in one of the gaggles, I guess, yesterday or today, um, called him a wide receiver or the MC called him a wide receiver and Dakarian Joyner corrected him and said, I'm running back. Um, so it seems like both everyone is kind of like uh, bought into that position shift. We can um, speculate that. I'm sure we will between now and September 2nd. Um, that is quite a gamble if that's what you're going with. And I, I realize some of it is necessity-based and it's going to be running back by committee in a lot of cases, but yeah, it's, it's a hole. There's no way around it. Yeah, I mean, I they did, while I was watching the SEC Network broadcast, they did show a couple of his um, quarterback keep uh, plays from the last couple of seasons that worked out pretty well. Um, and I mean, if you, I haven't, I need to go back and watch a little bit more tape, but if you go back and watch the tape, I think he definitely moves like a running back at times with the ball in his hands. I'm interested to see how much this offseason he uh, has bulked up. I believe I, I told you if he ate a lot of uh, ice cream and milkshakes or whatever, then maybe it could work out. Um, Cause he definitely is a little on the lighter side for running back, but he's got the height already. So if he filled out his frame a little bit um, and completely just is leaning into it, I, I could see it working. I, I, we're, we haven't done bold predictions and stuff yet, but I'm starting to formulate one around okay. DK and, and how many yards he uh, puts together this season based on like, you know, what I'm hearing and uh, the little bit of film that I've watched so far. So we'll see. Yeah, and then I guess kind of your other concern. We've talked about left tackle. We talked about running back. Your edge situation would be another one. We hit on that a little bit with, you know, Umi Zulu might play. Um, kind of what's that going to look like is another question I have that wasn't really talked about a lot today. Um, you're getting Jordan Strawn back. What does that look like off two ACL tears or a second ACL tear? Um, Brian Thomas Jr., you're going to need some things. I think that's – yeah, again, you're coming all, in from Syracuse. Yep, yep. These are all questions for camp, but they're, you know, things you're kind of thinking about uh, um, now, just as we're kind of, like I said, into talking season. And um, yeah, oh, Lenora Sellers. I wanted to hit on that too. He was asked about Sellers and the gaggle. Uh, Lenora Sellers, who weighs 245 pounds now, at least if the media guide is to be believed, he bulked up big time since he got to campus. Beamer, you know, he was bully. He was, you know, McCoy wasn't saying it's kind of a tough question to answer when you have Spencer Rattler here, but he did say Lenore's has a bright future at our place. He showed us in spring practice. He mentioned that he opened a lot of eyes and that kind of tracks with everything we heard during the spring and what we saw in the spring game. But that's, that's a weird one to kind of think about just because again, it does a scenario where Lenora sellers is playing quarterback. It means something went wrong. Right. But also, that my, Lenora Sellers clearly has something about him. It's those are weird things to to juggle, but yeah, it's interesting. So I'm I'm planning on doing a preseason look at some of the offseason rumors and and things that I've been hearing uh, about workouts and and everything like that. And it's possible that the last two additions to the 2023 class might end up being some of the most impactful. So like you said, sellers who probably won't be a huge impact this year, but um, sounds like 
diamond in the rough, like we've kind of mentioned him a couple times. And then Elijah Caldwell, a wide receiver that got added pretty late. I've heard uh, a lot of really good stuff. Maybe the most developed of the freshman wide receivers thus far. Um, now, again, maybe don't feel that impact this season because the wide receiver room is so deep. And, of course, you have to figure out how to work in your tight ends, your Trey Knoxes, your uh, whoa, Josh Shiman. Yeah. Um, and, and then obviously you're going to definitely try to get the ball in Nicholas Harbor's hand. So um, maybe he doesn't pop immediately, but that's, that's someone that I'm hearing was a hit um, even though he was a late addition there. So. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the takes from today. I don't know if you had anything else. Kind yeah. Of so days, but, I mean, I'm looking ahead. through some of the, some of the notes that you had from the little, uh, gaggles and stuff. Um, were there any takeaways from the specific players that you got to talk to? Uh, yeah, I'll have I'll have some more stuff next week. Um, Tonka Hemingway seems primed for a big year. I think you can make that statement. A, he's going to be playing a ton of snaps because they're going to need him. B, he seems to be a little bit bigger than he was last year. Um. It meant he mentioned he was playing inside right now, not outside. I think Travian Robertson's another thing you can point to today that Beamer was excited about. Um, Tonka was excited about. Players in general seem to be excited about kind of what what's happening there as you know, new defensive line coach. Um, I'm kind of sneaky in on Tonka this year. I, I think that's just something that's going to work. You talk about bold predictions, maybe. Uh, Maybe he leaves the team in sacks. I don't know. I got a few weeks to think about it, but um, I kind of felt better about maybe not better is the right word because I wasn't feeling bad. But you feel good about Tonka Hemingway going into this year, I think. Did anyone ask him about moving around? Or are we expecting him to play some on the outside yeah, too? I asked him. He said right now he's working inside. Um, he wouldn't say if he's you know never going to be playing outside or anything, but he said right now it's just doing inside work. Yeah, and I think we saw Elijah Davis more in that role, I guess, uh, during the spring uh, where he was moving out. And then, like you said, we brought in uh, GTS Gear since then as well. Um, yeah, so maybe you're – and Strayen's back. Maybe you're feeling a little bit better about the D-line at this point than you were a few months ago. Um, I know that the run game, like the run defense is something that, that came up a couple of times today. Yep, That's definitely going to be a point of emphasis, but honestly, something that I think for some reason, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic that that's going to be better than it was last year. I think it's because there's a little bit more talent at linebacker. Now you don't have as much experience at linebackers. So I don't know if those two things, uh, sort of cancel each other out. Um, you also have two safeties that are that have a year under their belt that are both willing to come up and stop the run. That was a um, comment today too on the main stage about you know C gap run stopping safety corners. Right. So I I actually am feeling sort of optimistic about that, but they get tested pretty much immediately uh, defensively, although maybe a little bit more through the air in week one against North Carolina. Um, I watched a little bit of the SEC network broadcast and like some of the things that they were saying about South Carolina. Um, they mentioned the over under at 5.5. Um, they weren't super bullish about it. That being too low. Although a couple uh, of them, you know, kind of acknowledged that Shane Beamer and the way 
that they run special teams, the way that they kind of take chances on fourth down, the way that they are good for a trick play or two in an opportune time, whatever, uh, so far has um, earned a couple of extra wins. And so they think that maybe the 5.5 is underestimating that element. And then, I mean, we both just went through the schedule whenever we did the uh, staff picks. It's not as scary looking to me as it was when we looked in the spring, and I don't know why. The, but I but I think the rub is how do you start? Uh, can you? That's yeah. Kind of everybody I've talked to this week, just other media members, people. It's kind of that start, right? I mean, that's a big. I mean, we can't say it enough. We're going to say it enough in the next six weeks. That is a huge week one game, just in terms of being a coin flip and kind of what that can do for you or do against you. You got to go to Georgia. You got to go to Tennessee. You got a Mississippi State team that I am not remarkably high on, but I still think is dangerous and can pose some problems for you in week four. Um, you have the bye week in week six. And I think, honestly, if you're asking questions about this season, it's what's the record of the bye week? Because I think most reasonable people would say you're going to beat Furman and lose to Georgia. And then it comes down to you've got three games that. North Carolina, neutral site, Mississippi State at home, Tennessee on the road. So you got a neutral, a home, a road, three games, three different situations, reasonably toss-up-y, I think, to some degree or another. Two and one, one and two, three and oh, oh and three. I think right. that might be your season, those three toss-ups. And I think the September. reason that each of us, and we'll go game by game next week when we talk about it, but I, re- I think the reason each of us ended up at eight or more wins is because we had them going two and one out of those games they're mentioning. I think that's um, what it's going to have to be. But it very easily could go off the rails if you lose to both North Carolina and Mississippi State. Um, I mean, you still could battle back to a six and six season at that point or whatever, but uh, all of your upside is gone if you lose those two games, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do. I kind of think everyone's talking about this this ending they have, this four-game homestand they're going to have November with, this – um, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Clemson, people feeling good about that. But if you go into September three and five, I mean, your upside, like I said, your upside's gone at that point. You're just fighting to make a bowl game. You're going to have to beat one of Kentucky or Clemson to make that happen. Um, I think this so much this comes out of September, which is a scary proposition, but maybe not as scary as it would have been last year when you were breaking a new quarterback and everything like that. Yeah, and for those of you that are curious on GameCockScoop.com, I've already done the first four weeks of the season uh, previews, looking at what teams have coming back, how they match up with South Carolina, et cetera. Um, I did pick them so far to beat North Carolina and Mississippi State, but they're both very tight games. Um, And I was pretty – actually, I did Mississippi State most recently, and I was pretty struck by how much they have returning, uh, which is um, quite a lot – on both sides of the ball, including their quarterback that was very good last year. Now, was he good because of Mike Leach's system? Uh, is that going to be different? Now, granted, their defense was very good last year, too, and now their defensive coordinator is their head coach. So um, I think they're one of the hardest – Mississippi State's one of the hardest to project their whole schedule, really. Um, and then, yeah, how they're going to match up against South Carolina. But – I think the key really to the season is is Spencer Rattler, the guy we saw the last three weeks of got a question in there about that trade. Not at media days. I wrote a thing like biggest questions coming out of media days and one of them is Rattler. That's that's the yeah. 
And that was, that was a lot of what the SEC broadcasts kind of focused on too. Um, if he is that guy, I think sky's the limit outside of maybe Georgia. You should be able to compete with any team on the schedule. Um, if he's as inconsistent as he was last year, then I think you're middle of the pack once again. So that'll, that'll be the question. It's consistency was one of another big word from everybody really today. I think I've heard that even Kai Kroger, you know, I think someone asked him, you know, kind of half, kind of tongue in cheek, but also kind of serious. Like, what can you improve on? And he said, you know, so I need to work on my drop time. You know, my, if it drops off by a second, it can mess up a punt. You can shank it. I've been working on timing, trying to get hanged to like, there is a, everything has to be more consistent. Everything has to be better. Again, kind of tying a full circle tone from everybody today. Um, I don't want to use the word urgency because I think everybody has urgency. It's college football. It's the SEC. Like, I think you're always kind of in the pressure cooker, but I think there is a real sense of we need to take advantage of the momentum kind of strike all the irons hot kind of thing. Like you got Rattler back, you got Wells back, you got all this momentum. You want to hit games last year. You're tracking for another really strong recruiting class. Like the time is now to make something happen. Yeah, I mean, really, in a lot of ways, and I, I think I, I personally feel much better about the Beamer era thus far than I did about the Muschamp era thus far, probably because you had Muschamp's history of Florida to kind of always keep that doubt creeping in, in your mind, uh, whereas, sure. you know, this is Beamer's first head coaching job. But there's a lot of similarities heading into year three uh, for both of those 10 years, as far as where the momentum feels like it's at um, and whether or not you can seize it. Obviously year three of the Muschamp tenure did not seize it. I believe they opened that season with a loss to North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. In Charlotte. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if Beamer is able to seize that momentum because you're right. There's plenty of positive um plenty of things going in the positive direction but like yeah uh, if you don't take advantage of this year then exactly um especially with the schedule it can go we could be sitting here before september is out they're one and three one and four two and three like it goes quick in the sec and especially when you have a front-loaded schedule yeah well i am definitely stoked to get started and uh see how it's all gonna play out and yeah this was the the official kickoff sort of uh sec media days always makes me feel like right Football season's here. Um, before the media picks come out, which I think they'll probably come out any time tomorrow. Now. Uh, oh, it's tomorrow. I thought it was this afternoon for some reason. The ballot deadline is 5 o'clock Nashville time today, which it's 3.49 here now. And then they tally it all up tonight and they release it tomorrow morning. Let's hear your uh, predictions. Who, who's uh, Give me a, a rundown of the East. Um, I can't remember what I put now. I think I have it on the website too, but Georgia one, Tennessee two, South Carolina three, Kentucky four, Missouri five, Vanderbilt six, Florida seven, I think is what I put. Wow. Florida last. I am very capital B bad for Florida. I've not, I didn't think they were that good last year. When you lose Anthony Richardson, I'm not a big believer in that defense either. Um, I do think the running back, ETN, he's back. That's going to be a problem. Um, I I also think their, their non-con schedule is brutal. They're going on the road to Utah week one um, in altitude, obviously. And then they play Florida State, obviously, at the end of the year. Florida State's team, a lot of people are high on, myself included. I put them in the playoff. Spoiler alert, Gamecock scoop picks. Um, yeah, I'm pretty out on Florida. I just 
I don't know. I mean, there's also a scenario where halfway through the season they fire their head coach, um, and then the wheels completely come off. So, I, I mean, it's it. also worth remembering too. Like I say that like it's outlandish, and I understand how it sounds putting Vanderbilt ahead of Florida. It just doesn't like doesn't. It's like saying two plus two is five, kind of. But Vanderbilt did beat them last year head to head. There is something to that. Honestly, I was trying to find a way to put uh, Vanderbilt at sixth whenever I put in my picks as well. Um, and I just put them at sixth and Missouri at seventh, and I okay. think Florida at fifth. But I think I could see any of those three kind of being Vanderbilt's another, or, excuse me, Missouri is another one. I've got questions. Brady Cook's back. Uh, I is don't that a know good thing? <laughs> exactly. You've got this Sam Horn who was a four star, and he, but he hurt himself playing baseball in the spring, and we're not really sure what's going to happen with that. Um, couple good skill position players. There's a lot of questions there too. Um, but South Carolina is yet to beat Missouri under Shane Beamer. So. Um, that's another we're talking about. Just and again, we're going to do it next week. But breaks points in the schedule. That back to back two road trip, Mizzou A and M. Yeah, I kind of think you go one and one there. Just it's hard to win on the road two weeks in a row, and I think they're talented enough to win one of those games. I think I had them winning Mizzou and losing A and M. I think, but it's hard to win both those games. And if, if you're a South Carolina fan and you offer them, okay, you're going to win one, lose one. I think you take the Mizzou win, right? Just to like stop dealing with Eli Drink with beating you every year. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, it'd be really cool to go into AM and and get a win there, but sure, um, there, I guess there's a debate to be had there, but if you can only have one. Yeah. Get the Mizzou monkey off your back for sure. Yeah. Like Kentucky um, last year. Yeah, exactly. So I think my East is basically the same. I definitely have the same one, two, and three, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina. And then I believe I put Kentucky fourth, Florida fifth. Yeah, yeah the other three, bottom three. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um, what about your West? Um, Again, if I'm saying this wrong from what I put on the website, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. LSU one, Alabama two. This is where it gets really messy. Um, I think I put Arkansas three. I'm a KJ Jefferson believer. I think KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders are going to have huge years. And then AM four, Ole Miss five, Miss Auburn six, Mississippi State seven. The floor is a lot higher there in the East, but I don't think any of those teams are bad per se. No, I, can, I think I think that's a all seven teams bowl eligible division by the end of the year. Yeah, and I think three through seven is a jumble. Like it could be I think Alabama and LSU are one and two pretty clearly, and then after yeah. that it's a mess. Um, I don't remember exactly how what I put either, which if you go to gamecockscoop.com, you have our staff picks, but it's just like our aggregated staff picks. So right. it doesn't matter if I get it wrong. Um I believe I it's um go ahead. Go ahead. Are you good? I believe I picked Bama one, LSU two, uh, Ole Miss three. Uh, I just I think that I like what they did in the transfer portal um, for the past two seasons. Really, uh, their recruiting's been pretty good, and um, Kiffin. I don't know that his teams have an edge usually, but Arkansas four, and I struggled with which order to put those in. Texas A&M has that best recruiting class ever is sophomores now although a lot of those guys transferred out and then yeah mississippi state play call question for me i just don't know what the patrino thing is actually going to look like um they also play maybe this is another episode topic we could talk like fun non-conference games this year they play miami in i think week two that is fun um 
Do you think that there's any way that Georgia isn't a unanimous pick by the media to finish? They will not be unanimous because if you'll remember last year, somebody picked Vanderbilt to win the SEC East. Over a thousand people get to over a thousand people get to vote. They're all anonymous anyway. I think people just like throwing a spanner in the works. So no, they will not be unanimous. Um they will be the overwhelming favorite. Um, that's I, I'm more interested in the West. I want to see who people pick between LSU and Bama mostly. I think it skews LSU is because of the quarterback question in Alabama, but that's that's why I put LSU there at least. But I think also people are trying. It's it's to the point where it was kind of like with the Patriots and the NFL over the last like five years, where people were trying to be like, this is the year that the demise starts. You know, I think that there people are trying to call their shot on. I do on think there is a legitimately fair Alabama question to ask about. All right. You don't grab a quarterback in the portal who was mediocre at Notre Dame in April if you're happy with your other options. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know Tyler Buckner had some moments at Notre Dame. He played really well in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina, but he definitely wasn't great. He didn't win that job out of camp, I don't think. Or he got benched for Drew Pine in the middle of the year. So if that's what you're grabbing in April out of desperation, I don't know how else to interpret that, I guess is how I should say it. Like, you don't grab a quarterback in April if you feel like you're fine at quarterback at the same time I'm looking over the last few years of rivals rankings the class of 2021 Bama was number one overall class yeah oh they're still loaded like that's (laughs) class of 2022 Bama was the number two overall class and yep I mean they went 10 and 2 last year in the regular season with Bryce Young yeah I think anybody reasonable would say they're at least downgrading at quarterback how much they're going to downgrade is that's up to you, but it is a downgrade without question. So, yeah. And then the class of 2023 was the number one class in history or whatever it was. But uh, I agree with you. They have a quarterback issue. Um, I think they're still going to win 10 games because they're yeah. and the other the flip stars. side of that too. The flip side of that is those two games they lost last year, LSU, Tennessee, they get both those games at home this year. They were both on the road last year. Maybe that kind of evens things out a little bit. I think they're like big road games. Games are AM and Auburn. So I, I also know. think we might sure. be overrating Tennessee, but we can talk more about that when we do our, our game by game picks. Um, but I think us as like the media in general uh, might be overrating Tennessee. I don't know if Joe Milton is as good as Hendon Hooker was. I don't um, think he is. I, think I know he played well. The, oh, in the bowl game and and that was the last time we saw him or whatever but i think there is a and maybe i buy into it too a general respect's not the right word but thought or belief that josh heupel's a good enough offensive mind that he can figure it out like even that first year at tennessee where they were not a great football team by any means they still scored points that system i mean they they ran south carolina out of the stadium and next time they were in knoxville even without anywhere near the offense they had last year. So I think the belief is more hypo-based than Milton-based. He's just going to be able to scheme his way into stuff. But it's a fair question to ask, and I'm sure we can get into it next week. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt that they're going to be pretty good. I just don't know that they're like the consensus number two that we're putting them as, but I think they're the default number two because they have less questions than South Carolina, but losing um, the OC too, which that applies to everybody in South Carolina's schedule in September except Furman, I believe, new OC on both sides. Right. But their OC took the South Florida job and they promoted. I believe they promoted from within. They made their QBs coach the OC. 
which yeah, is, is Hypel just the de facto OC at this point, probably. Much, but, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we will talk more about our specific game by game picks next week. We'll have some more recruiting updates. Uh, we'll get the, we'll start to put together that list for who's going to be at the cookout next weekend, uh, which is the big recruiting um, event to end the summer. And yeah, whatever else happens in the next week. Uh, in the meantime, check out GameCockScoop.com. We'll have tons more content coming out of SEC Media Days. Um, there's article posted right now. There'll be something else tonight and tomorrow morning and all next week. And I'm going to keep doing game-by-game previews all the way up until the season begins. Um, until next time, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast. We'll see you.